Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com. Good morning and welcome to our show number 838, in which we'll talk about summer tanagers, duck stamps, habitat heroes, and house wrens. A few weeks ago, we focused on the summer tanager as our featured feathered friend, and now that it's actually summer, our friend Freya has kind of taken it to a higher level with her up-close encounter with the summer tanager, as we're about to hear in her latest audio postcard. Hey everyone, it's Freya McGregor here. I'm standing in my neighborhood in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and it's just about dusk. And that funny sort of sound you can hear above my head is a summer tanager. I can't see it. I don't know if it's a male or a female. If it's a male, it'll be bright red. And if it's a female, it'll be bright yellow. But the tree that it's in is covered in bright green leaves and I can't see it. But I know what it is. There's so many birds in this neighbourhood since uh, in the last couple of weeks there's been a whole lot returning. We've had a couple of great crested flycatchers hanging around and just this week the Mississippi kites came back. I think they're fabulous. They're so cool. They zoom around catching insects in the air and for some reason I just really like them but I haven't heard them make much noise yet. If they do I'll be sure to send you an audio postcard. But in the meantime, here's a summer tanager. <laughs> All right. Bye. Thanks for that summer tanager. Freya, I have a feeling we're going to be hearing about Mississippi kites coming soon from Freya. Putting a little pressure on her there. Probably the biggest news story in the North American bird world right now is a disturbing one. It concerns the hundreds of birds that are getting sick and dying across parts of the southeast and midwest including Washington, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, West Virginia, Kentucky, Ohio, and Indiana. Most commonly afflicted birds, apparently, are blue jays, common grackles, and European starlings. Reported symptoms include crusty or puffy eyes, seizures, and an inability to stay balanced, with some birds behaving as though they're blind and not flying away when people get close. A couple of theories about what's causing the illness include a widespread infectious disease and pesticides, including the possibility that birds eating the billions of cicadas emerging in those areas that have been sprayed with pesticides are being poisoned that way. Tests are ongoing. Meanwhile, experts say that bird feeders in those affected areas should be taken down until that problem is resolved. We have some conservation news this week. It's a, another big story, one that will please uh, many birders. It's about 
duck stamps, which are sold to protect waterfowl and wetland habitat. In the annual duck stamp design contest, here's the background. A couple of years ago, the Fish and Wildlife Service mandated that duck stamp designs submitted for the contest had to include the theme celebrating our waterfowl hunting heritage. Not surprisingly, lots of non-hunters didn't like that mandate and said so. And now Fish and Wildlife is proposing to revise the contest regulations beginning with next year's competition and no longer require that the hunting theme has to be part of all designs. The service says the proposed revisions would provide artists more flexibility when designing their art and broaden the appeal of the duck stamp to more audiences. We have more about this, by the way, on our website, TalkingBirds.com. And that rather unusual sound is that of our mystery bird. This is our contest preview. Our mystery bird contest is presented by Red Start Birding. Red Start Birding is your new resource for birding optics, gear, and expertise. Great birding starts at redstartbirding.com. Our mystery bird is a denizen of grasslands. It inhabits native prairie and other open grassy areas, including airports in North America. It breeds from Montana to Maine and through much of Canada and Alaska and winters mostly in South America. Our bird has a pale head and neck, mottled brown back and upper wings, and white belly with long yellow legs, long neck and tail, and a short, straight bill. Clues in the sound of our bird and beautiful prizes await, including the Droll Yankees' cute chickadee feeder that lets you manage the size of visiting birds with its height-adjustable dome, perfect for sunflower seed, mixed seed, fruit, or mealworms. And a bonus prize. This is an important prize for helping birds. It's a two-pack of window alert window decals to keep birds from crashing into your windows. These are beautiful decals, and they really can prevent injuries to birds. So clues and prizes and the sound of our mystery bird and the contest coming along in uh, just a little bit. And right now... A salute to the royalty of the Talking Birds listening audience. That's our Talking Birds ambassadors, helping us to get the word out about our show and about birds and conservation. Thank you to Johnny T. from Winter Garden, Florida. He says, my dad and I birded a place called Lake Apopka Wildlife Drive. It's an 11-mile-long drive with a 10-mile-an-hour speed limit that never gets over 5 miles an hour. In the last few years, we've noticed a tenfold increase in drivers, mostly to see alligators. He says it's a great place to put cards at the numerous kiosks throughout the drive. Love the show, says Johnny. Thank you so much, Johnny, for becoming a Talking Birds ambassador. And while we're talking about Florida, our hearts go out to all of those affected by that tragic building collapse in Surfside, Florida. And we hope for the best for all the folks and families there. Thank you to Bob D. from Westwood, Massachusetts. He says, happy birding. I saw a bald eagle this morning on my daily walk next to Buckmaster Pond in Westwood, Mass. Pretty cool. And thank you, Bob. And thank you to Anna Maria V. from Oakwood, Ohio. She says, I live in an urban area and get lots of house finches, house sparrows, 
some robins and cardinals, and even a pair of morning doves and crows. Thank you, Anna, and a good example of how birds are everywhere, even in the city. We're always trying to grow our wonderful ambassadors family, and that is happening, we're happy to say. And we hope you'll think about being a Talking Birds ambassador. It's easy to become one and easy to be one. And to join up, just go to our website, TalkinBirds.com with no G in Talkin'. And click at the top there on the tab that says Get Involved. Still to come on our show today, we'll learn about something wonderful put together by the folks at Audubon Rockies called the Habitat Hero Program. Also, we'll hear from Mike O'Connor on Cape Cod for a Let's Ask Mike segment about house wrens. And up next, a bird that's been described as carrying on its back the blue of heaven is today's featured feathered friend presented by Birdwatching Magazine for more than a quarter century. Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Here's what early 20th century ornithologist Arthur Cleveland Bent wrote about the eastern bluebird. The bluebird is well named for he wears a coat of the purest, richest, and most gorgeous blue on back, wings, and tail. No North American bird better deserves the name for no other flashes before our admiring eyes so much brilliant blue. It has been said that the male eastern bluebird carries on his back the blue of heaven and the rich brown of freshly turned earth on his breast. But who has ever seen the bluest sky as blue as the bluebird's back? Early American settlers called the eastern bluebird the blue robin because it reminded them of their English robin redbreast. The eastern bluebird is a member of the thrush family, which includes, among others, the wood, the hermit, the Swainson's thrush, the veery, and the American robin, which gets the robin part of its name from that same red-breasted English bird. Eastern bluebirds are medium-distance migrants, often moving only as far south as needed in the fall to find food and shelter for the colder months ahead. They're found across much of eastern North America, with many spending the winter as far north as southern New England and northern Indiana, although some travel from as far north as Manitoba to the American Southwest and Mexico. We can thank fellow humans for bringing the eastern bluebird back from the brink of extinction by creating trails with carefully designed and placed nest boxes Although, of course, it was humans whose behaviors helped cause the near demise of the species in the first place by importing European starlings and house sparrows to North America. Those interloper birds quickly outcompeted the bluebirds for nesting cavities. Eastern bluebirds feed on insects, along with wild fruit and berries, but amazingly enough, they've also been observed catching shrews, salamanders, snakes, lizards, and tree frogs. The blue of heaven on his back, the rich brown of freshly turned earth on his breast, and a delightful warble in his song. It's today's featured feathered friend, Cyalia Cyalis, the eastern bluebird. Welcome again to our show, number 838. Thanks for being with us. 
Jamie Weiss is the Habitat Hero Coordinator for Audubon Rockies. She's waving to us right now, so that proves she's on Zoom with us this morning. They're located in Fort Collins, Colorado, and she joins us now to tell us about the Habitat Hero program. Good morning, Jamie. Good morning, Ray. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Uh, as Ray mentioned, I'm Jamie Weiss out in Colorado today, and I'm excited to join so we can chat about planting bird-friendly gardens. And the great thing is you don't need to be in Colorado to do this. You can do this anywhere you live in the country as Audubon makes it easy for you, uh, no matter your gardening skill level. So again, Ray, thanks for having me on. You're welcome. And and I have to apologize for mispronouncing your last name. I've been calling you incorrectly uh, until just now. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. So Habitat Hero provides people, businesses, cities with the resources to create bird habitat. Um, and it's not uh, just a nice thing, although it certainly is that, but it's important too, isn't it? It is, yeah. By, by planting bird-friendly plants, you really provide birds with the food and shelter and places to breed. Uh, this is the idea behind Habitat here, which is a core program of Audubon Rockies. We service Colorado, Wyoming, and Utah, mm -hmm. so a regional office of National Audubon. And this regional program actually falls under the umbrella of Plants for Birds, uh, that's an initiative within National Audubon Society. So today we can chat about resources that are applicable to everyone. Mm -hmm. And what kind of resources are they? What, what, what are you able to provide? Yeah, the first thing is to read up on the importance of native plants. Mm -hmm. So the two websites that we'll highlight, one is rockies.audubon.org slash Habitat Hero. This is the main place to look at for all of the resources, I'll hit on that. And then the second is Audubon's website, which is audubon.org slash native plants. We'll, we'll hit those again here yeah. in a moment. All right, yes, we will recap that too at the, uh, at the end of our chat here. So I noticed too on your website, uh, Jamie, simple steps to create a bird-friendly garden. One is select a site with adequate sun, soil, and drainage. Two is thoroughly remove sod and weeds. Three, plant a variety of shapes, sizes, and species. Four, focus on plants that support high variety and quantity of food. Then there's plant in the spring or fall. And my favorite one, pull out invasive weeds as your garden grows. So one question about one of those things, and that's the idea of uh, focusing on plants that support high variety and quantity of food. How do we figure out how to do that? Exactly. The best thing to do is plant native plants. They've co-evolved with our harsh climate and birds are able to seek them out really well. And native plants offer a variety of benefits, not just for us, because they're easy to grow, but for wildlife, including our birds and the environment as well. They save water. Uh, the EPA estimates that 30 to 60% of our drinking water here in the U.S. goes towards watering our lawns. So this is a huge wow. opportunity to reduce our water consumption too, uh, reduce maintenance because they're easier to grow and they're beautiful as well. And they usually require fewer chemicals, which is of course better for our landscapes. Yeah, yeah, a lot of wind, wind stuff going on there. I just wonder, how do you find it now with uh, garden stores and places like that uh, in terms of you know, coming around to providing more native plants in their nurseries. Yeah, that's something that Audubon is working towards. Creating this native plant movement is definitely from a bottom-up approach, a grassroots effort, but also from a top-down approach and trying to work with our local municipalities 
and our big box garden stores, nurseries, et cetera, on being able to offer uh, a larger supply of native plants as the demand grows. Mm-hmm. So how long has this program been going on, Jamie, and, and what kind of response have you gotten from it? Yeah, so Habitat Hero has been around since 2014, which was right around the same time that the Plants for Birds initiative with National came about. Uh, Since that time, we've connected with about 20,000 folks in our in-person or online workshops as we host, oh goodness, now it's been over 450 events to date. Mm. Yeah, (laughs) and then our big thing out here is uh, the certification process. We wanna reward you for your gardening efforts. And here, I'll hold up a little sign to show you what you get when you get certified. Wow. Be a Habitat hero. Looks good. Yeah, our Habitat (laughs) hero sign. So to date, we've had over 350 certified gardens out here in the Rocky Mountain West. Mm. And there's also other local programs across the network. When you search on the uh, native plant tool base or native plant database uh, searchable by zip code you can search for local resources or programs that are near you and of course which native plants are near you as well all right uh, jamie you say that gardening skill is really not necessary how do you uh, how do you convince folks of that who have never really done any gardening goodness yeah we have to make it easy right yeah so on our resources page we have a five-step gardening process the first step is just learning about the benefits of native plants Uh, We've compiled reputable articles and recommended reading lists so you can brush up on all the uh, importance of native plants. So hopefully we convince you to do it. (laughs) The second is finding those native plants, which is easy with the database. Just enter your zip code and it populates a list of native plants for you exported in a uh, Excel spreadsheet. And we'll even tell you uh, nurseries to hit up that are near you. Cool. Uh, designing your native plant garden can be hard. Mm-hmm. That's the third step. So we've made it easy by um, designing some pre-planned gardens or working with some larger retailers like High Country Gardens where you get your plants and your design in one and it makes it a one-stop shop. Uh, so that's helpful when purchasing your native plants by getting those garden in the boxes. Mm-hmm. And then the last piece, if you're local out here in the Rocky Mountain West to certify it, Uh, Certify your Habitat Hero Garden. That's that sign I just displayed. And then there's also other things that you can do with your garden, kind of expanding your impact, getting involved with volunteer roles, uh, community science projects, et cetera. So we want to make it easy. So there's one web page with all of these steps involved. All right. Jamie Weiss is the Habitat Hero Coordinator for Audubon Rockies with other offices in Colorado, Wyoming, and Utah. Uh, Check them out. Learn about how to become a Habitat Hero in those areas or make your yard bird-friendly wherever you are. So one address there is rockies.audubon.org. And the other one, Jamie, for folks elsewhere? Is audubon.org slash native plants. All right, Jamie, thanks for being with us and for providing some very valuable info. Well, thanks for having us. Remember, you are what hope looks like to a bird, and we really appreciate you helping us give birds a much-needed voice. So with that, thank you again. (laughs) All right, Jamie Weiss here on Talking Birds. And up next, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather, the flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. 
Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more or if you need help choosing your next optic, give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. We should be hearing our mystery bird here somewhere. There he is. He's back. And so is our mystery bird contest. The phone number to call to tell us what that bird is is 781-837-4900. Remember, you might be able to be the winner even if you don't get the right answer because the drawing will determine our winner if nobody quite gets it correct. So give it a try or tell us what it is. 781-837-4900. Our mystery bird is a denizen of grasslands. Inhabits native prairie and other open grassy areas, including airports in North America. It breeds from Montana to Maine and through much of Canada and Alaska and winters mostly in South America. Our bird has a pale head and neck, mottled brown back and upper wings, and white belly with long yellow legs, a long neck and tail, and a short straight bill. Beautiful prizes include the Droll Yankees, cute chickadee feeder perfect for sunflower seed or mixed seed or fruit or mealworms and the bonus prize a two-pack of window alert window decals to keep birds from crashing into your windows give us a call as soon as you can at 781-837-4900 that's 781-837-4900 meanwhile our mike o'connor has some thoughts about house wrens that's on our let's ask mike live in just one minute Beautyo Books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. New, used, and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology. From field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction, and humor. You'll find it all along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for in one convenient place. Beautyobooks.com B-U-T-E-O Beautyobooks.com my name is Matt Valiga from the Birdie Bunch Podcast. I'm calling you from Naperville, Illinois. I love being a Talking Birds ambassador because that gives me the opportunity to kind of reach across to people and kind of bring them in to this wonderful, diverse community that is just growing birding and bird watching and ornithology as a passion. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassadors family. Just visit our website, talkingbirds.com. Join today and thanks. Down to beautiful Cape Cod, where the sun always shines, and it's certainly the case today. Mike O'Connor is down there checking out some house wrens. Uh, they're in the uh, kitchen. No, they're in the... Uh, where are they? In the backyard. I'm not sure where they are. Good morning, Mike. <laughs> Good morning, Ray. And before we can begin, I just want to um, say how much I like that segment with Jamie. That, you know, behind our shop, we have this garden, and I don't know anything about plants, so I let some other employees do it. And they planted these beautiful spiky plants called red hot pokers the you know they're just an eye catcher hmm. well last year i was out there working in the garden and there was not a bee or a bug anywhere near them hmm. and just down in an unkept part of the garden were some milkweeds and that's where all the bees and the bugs were and turns yeah. out these 
red-hot pokers are from South Africa. They're introduced. They're absolutely no benefit to the wildlife. So we're letting those die down, and the milkweed has spread, and now we have monarchs, and we have all kinds of honeybees. And so, listen to that, Jamie. She was right. we got to get the native stuff, and we don't need the... No offense, South Africa, but we don't need your plants. We need more milkweeds and native stuff, so good for her. Yeah, and but what a reward it is if you figure out, if you, you know, once you know about this, uh, to know about the beautiful results you can get with those native plants there. Right, oh, the bees are struggling, and they're all over this previously unthought of milkweed, and now it's really, it's really helping and making a difference, and, and it didn't cost anything. <laughs> that's really what I care about. <laughs> that's the main thing right, right there, yeah. So listen, uh, just entering the building here, walking past the Talking Birds Garden, I heard a house wren. We've had them nesting here the last couple of years, but we hadn't seen them yet this year, but we heard them out there. But, but that's, not where, that's not the story. It's about the house wrens that you have. I don't have any. <laughs> you don't have any house runs. Well, I guess it is the story then, after all. Yeah, you, it's all about yeah. you. No, I don't. I don't, but a lot of people worry about house runs. The house runs are native. They're energetic. Uh, their populations after a decline seems to be stable. They like birdhouses. People put up birdhouses that readily come, and, and that's great. They, they pretty much cover, not many birds we talk about cover the whole country or, or your listening area, but these birds seem to. They're mm. everywhere except people have bluebirds and bluebird trails aren't really big fans of them because they have because they're little and they're, they're late getting to the breeding area and they don't the cavity nests, but they can't make their own cavities. They try to dominate any cavity they find. So if you have three or four birdhouses, you might get a house wren trying to take over all of those by putting in what they call dummy nests, by filling it up with these crazy long sticks so other birds can't use it. They're like kind of control freaks. They don't want any neighbors. And so they fill up all these other nests. And they even have the kind of a, 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 a bad habit that will... People will call it a bad habit. They're in things. It's a great idea. But they'll actually, you know, break other birds' eggs so they don't hatch because they don't want competition either in the nest or for the food in the area. So these little birds can't fight the big the other birds, but they do try to control their breeding. And that's a little bit heartbreaking for someone who might have a bluebird nesting nearby yeah. or a chickadee or a tree swallow. Any solution so, to that? Is there a solution? Yeah, and then the native, we can't do it. We're not allowed to interfere. Yeah. It's not like starlings or something like that. We mm-hmm. just have to let that go. But there are a couple of ideas people have tried, and the suggestion that they say is move your nest box more in the open. Wrens like to sit on the trees or branches or shrubs. Mm-hmm. And if you move your nest box more out in the open as much as you can, you set, certainly the swallows would like that and, and, yeah. and are the bluebirds as well. And they're less likely to get wrens. They also make this thing called a wren guard. And you might want to look it up because it's a little bit tricky and there's some rules apply, but it kind of hides, hides the nest hole from the house wrens and the other birds use it. But before you install one, look it up because there's, there's some information they need to pay attention to. It's just nothing you slap up and walk back into the house. Okay, that, that lets me out, but thanks for the info, uh, just the same. And when you get back to your car, Ray, watch out for that house, friend. He's eyeballing you. All right, Mike. Talk to you next week. You got it. Yep, Mike bye-bye. O'Connor down there at the uh, famous Birdwatchers General Store in Cape Cod. Birdwatching Magazine has a new membership program. Benefits include detailed bird ID articles from Ken Kaufman and David Sibley, tips and stories about bird photography, access to quarterly e-workshops on identifying and photographing birds, and complimentary print and digital subscriptions to Birdwatching Magazine. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com slash memberships.
We're back here at the uh, Mystery Bird Contest, and uh, we have Rich, I believe, in uh, Brookline, Massachusetts, to maybe tell us what that bird is. Good morning, Rich. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. How's it going? Uh, it's going, going well. It's a little warm here, but it's uh, it's pretty nice. What do you think, uh, Rich, on the uh, on the Mystery Bird there? Um, I'm going to have to guess a upland sandpiper. You have to guess that. You must guess that because that's the correct answer. Yeah. All right. Nice job. Yeah, the upland sandpiper. We mentioned about uh, airports here. Uh, this is a bird that has really declined a lot. It was once abundant in the Great Plains. But uh, in many places, uh, like here in the Northeast, where you and I are rich, most of the nesting upland sandpipers live on the grounds of airports. That's not a really good thing for, I guess, a number of reasons, but that's kind of the way it is because that's the only place they can find around this part of the country in any case. Those birds, by the way, will be heading south uh, very soon. Mid-July, they head off, heading down back to South America. Rich, thank you so much. Congratulations. Nice job. And if you'll stand the line, we'll get your info and send you those beautiful prizes. Thanks a lot, Ray. All right. Thank you, Rich. That's it for our show this morning. Next week, we'll connect with Tucson, Arizona, and learn about the big upcoming Southeast Arizona Birding Festival. Thanks for being with us. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. BirdWatchersGeneralStore.com. By Vortex Optics, with the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at VortexOptics.com. And Video Books, an independent, family owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. VideoBooks.com.